Hello, and welcome to Carried Away. I'm your host, Carrie Murray. As the founder of the Bra Network, the Business Relationship Alliance, I have met some of the most inspiring women working as entrepreneurs, freelancers, founders, executives, and creatives, and I want to share their stories with you. So let's get carried away. Ooh, it's going to be a good one this time. You guys are going to love my conversation with Olivia Christian. She is a brand strategist expert storyteller, and she works with entrepreneurs and corporations on how to own your story. Ooh, it's going to be a good one. Let's get carried away. Welcome, Olivia. Welcome to the podcast. Um, I, I love our origin story, first off, that I'm going to share to the people. It's one of my favorites because we all go to these conferences and these huge seminars and workshops and all the things. This was back in the day when we did them in person. And maybe you'll get some great takeaway. I mean, you'll always get a great swag bag. But I got you from the Girl Boss Rally I attended. You sat right next to me. You never know who you're going to sit next to, ladies. And she had on the sparkliest um, sequin skirt. I'm I'm shocked you're not wearing it now. (laughs) (laughs) It's and crunchy sitting in sequins is like true, true. <laughs> and then that would just disrupt the podcast altogether. And then that's no good. We need good sound. But um, thank you so much for joining me. I'm I've attended your workshops. You're a bra member. You're you're a champion for female entrepreneurs, all entrepreneurs. Um, also, you have this great background in sports. Uh, you were a sports journalist. You had a podcast that was really you know renowned by. Uh, in 2019. Uh, are you still doing the podcast? So it was a show that was on National Public Radio, NPR, called Only a Game. So you could listen to it live on your local affiliates or, of course, as in a podcast form on Apple or what have you. That show was on for 26 years and it just ended in September. I think I might have cursed it because I'd only been there two years. Um, but yeah, we were award winning. It was an amazing experience. I can't believe they even let me on that show. But I didn't even think to dream about getting on that show. But when they're like, hey, do you want to work with us? Do you know who you're yes. doing? Yeah, it was, yeah, pretty. I love that. I love that. And where do you think your love of sports came from? Definitely my mom and dad. My right. mom is also a tomboy. Um, my parents were young parents. I'm the youngest of four. And when I was born, my dad was 25. Um, so that meant he could play in the street with us and he played sports uh, on a collegiate level. Um, so my brother and I and his friends, mostly his guy friends, we were out in the street playing year round, despite the weather. I'm from the Bay area. So the weather never gets too bad, but baseball, basketball, football, tennis. My mom was my first tennis coach until I got, you know, too good. So it's been all in the family. That's where the love came from. I love that. And then you, when you went to college, you went on a, a sports scholarship, right? Well, I didn't get a scholarship. I can, I was able to continue to play. Gotcha. Um, I see. Yeah. They were like, you can keep going. It was like an added thing. Like, and I play tennis. Not like, <laughs> not like, yes, you're good enough, but I was never going to be a Serena or Venus, um, especially because I'm like 10 inches shorter <laughs> than both of them. But um, yeah, I played a little tennis in college as well. First oh, that's good. That's good. I, I love tennis. I just don't like the outfits. Um, <laughs> I would, you would think I would like a cute little skirt, but no, nah, it's not my jam. I don't like my tush and my, my thighs hanging out. Hey. 
Now that I think about it, I'm like, oh man. <laughs> Although I have seen Serena Williams wear like this romper, like this yeah, white piece. It, and rompers. Yeah. It definitely evolved from back when we were probably at age where we could play tennis. Right, um, right. Yeah, it was definitely mostly just skirts. Sometimes you would see someone in shorts. They were they were like shorter than cheerleader skirts. Back yes. Oh, yeah. Out there. And do we need short skirts in tennis? Just and from, no, I didn't think so. <laughs> now, we weren't wearing them, so clearly you didn't need to. <laughs> and don't, no, I don't mean to go on a tennis ramp, but now that we're talking about it, don't when you go to Wimbledon, they have to wear white? Yes. They have some kind of like really conservative, you have to wear a skirt, you have to wear, that is so weird. It's so white. You can't even have like a little ponytailing thing with that's pink or something. It's white. It's white. All white. Yeah. Well, <laughs> now is Will Wimbledon like the, 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 the Super Bowl of tennis? Well, it's really, I mean, there are four majors, um, you know, the French Open, the U.S. Open, Wimbledon. So each player will probably pick and decide which one is the most important to them. I like see. I remember Venus Williams loved Wimbledon. She always wanted to win. That was her pinnacle. Serena wanted to win the U.S. Open. I think they both won multiple times, like um, 5,000 times. I keep plugging the Williams sisters so they will adopt <laughs> me as their older sister because I'm also older. But. <laughs> you know, maybe they're looking to start a podcast and they need someone with experience. <laughs> experience. Right. I love it. I love it. So then, so you played some tennis in college and then what led you to be, you leave college. How did you land on branding strategy? Oh man, was that there kind was, of evolution. There was a whole career before branding and it was policy. And I began working in policy when I was in college. I worked for the city and then I worked for a council member. After I graduated, um, I moved to San Francisco and worked for the mayor. And when he was termed out, I worked on a state level. And in, in all those roles, my job was to be out in the community, working with nonprofit organizations, like merchant associations, fire, police, like understanding their wow. needs, trying to bring resources back and forth to them. Um, so that was my early career. Mm-hmm. And then I left that because I didn't want to work in policy anymore, but I did want to stay connected with people and connect resources and find solutions. Um, and so I started working for myself and it just kind of expanded to include lots of different types of things that I do for clients. I love that. Now, I love that you you found a way to do what you want to do, right? Now you've been doing it for forever. I mean, <laughs> forever. <laughs> do you think your your experience with sports helped you become a stronger, more confident entrepreneur? Do you think there's a connection there? I do, I do, and I think for women, um, there are studies out there that talk about the benefits of women playing team, team sports. I should say, girls playing team sports when they're young. You learn to see each other as teammates, uh, all trying to accomplish a goal of winning. You're less focused on male attention. Um, you're less likely to get pregnant when you're a teenager, less likely to be in an abusive relationship. Hold on, I'm signing my daughter off for right? lessons right now. <laughs> <laughs> you're less likely to value yourself based on your looks. You're more focused on what you can do. Um, and I think that's been who I've always been because I started playing sports when I was young. And my, in my family, we were very competitive ad- academically and athletically. The, again, my brother's giant and he excels um, profession. Uh, he played sports through college um, and I wanted to be like him. So we competed and we played sports. Um, of course, he beat me all the time, never let me win. 
but it kept, it pushed me to keep going and to figure out what I could do best. And I, I can beat him in tennis because he's so long and I can make him run around. So I did find something, but that persistence and that drive did come from playing team sports. And I think it has led to me wanting to be the teammate of other female entrepreneurs because I don't see them as competition. Um, I mean, some of them are, but there are ways that we can collaborate together and find our own network, find our own audience without us turning on each other. 100%. You know, and that's one of the you know, core values of bra is collab- valuing ca- collaboration over competition. And it's so great. When I met you, you were already doing that. You already were like, I'm not into having all these like girl groups that are like sororities on, on just crack. And they're all just crazy and just competitive and angry at each other. That's not fun. Um, that's when I knew we were going to get along. <laughs> I was like, yeah, cause I don't dig that either. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a very good point. So also I think with sports is the discipline, right? You have to be disciplined as an entrepreneur and you have to be disciplined in sports to really be successful at it. Unless you're someone who just picked up a racket and just, whoop, I, this is easy. Give me something. Hard. <laughs> do you, do you miss kind of that competitive edge you would get from sports? How are you fulfilling that, that, part of you, that side of you when now you're an entrepreneur? Right now, my competition is me. Mm-hmm. My competition is meeting my expectations, hopefully exceeding them, setting new expectations. I am um, luckily, you know, one thing about sports is you have to, if you're in the middle of a basketball game or a tennis match, you have to be able to move on from mistakes really quickly. The next play mm-hmm. is happening. The next ball is coming at you. So you got to set up and get ready to hit one more time or to take that shot. You can't dwell on mistakes that you've made. Um, And I think I've taken that mentality into being an entrepreneur. It's good to reflect on things that you've done well, things that you've, uh, you failed at, figure out ways to have um, multi layers of skills. You know, like I do production work, I can host, I can ask questions, I can do branding. It's important to diversify uh, so if one stream of revenue goes out the door, you've got another um, gift, another opportunity to continue to pay rent or mortgage. Um, so I've had to be able to learn how to do lots of different things. And I had to, as an entrepreneur, again, be able to pick up, keep going, learn from my mistakes, but not let myself be buried by them. Um, if I want to be successful, you got to just keep going. Such good advice. It's so true. Uh, resiliency, you know, you have to be perseverance. All of these things are absolutely what you need as an entrepreneur. If you, you know, there was a time when someone would unsubscribe from my email list and I'm like, I quit. Yes. Nobody likes me. This is fine. And now I'm like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not to say that I don't have those moments. It's not like I'm always like, whatever. <laughs> But it's like, I always let myself feel whatever I'm feeling. If it's upset, it's all right. But I'm not going to let it go on for days and months. Like if, if you have to set a deadline, I'm going to be sad this weekend and drink champagne in bed. And then when Monday comes, we start getting right back up, getting yeah. right back up. I love that. So I'm sure that resiliency is definitely contributed to the fact that you are this very successful, you know, workshop webinar, you're appearing on all these stages, you're you know, doing your workshop at Google and LinkedIn and Girl Boss Rally. Um, and when I've attended two workshops, everyone, and I highly recommend taking Olivia's workshop because not only is it engaging, but it's about me. Typically, when you go to a workshop or a webinar, it's all about them and what they're presenting and what, but you make it about 
the, per, the attendees. Was that intentional or is that just your personality? <laughs> well, as much as I like to look at myself and get my hair and the makeup all together, like I love, no, I much rather put other people in position to think about themselves, think about their journey. I've done a lot of reflection on the choices I've made professionally, the personal decisions I've had to make. I moved out of the Bay Area almost two years ago. and I never left that 50 mile radius of where I was born. Um, so I've had, and I had practice um, kind of giving myself that time and space to check in with myself. Mm-hmm. And professionally, if you're an entrepreneur, or even if you're working in a corporate environment, you are a lot of times just busy, busy, busy doing all the things. And you don't get a chance to check in, remind yourself of your accomplishments. Be like, yeah, I'm pretty dope. I've done some stuff. Pretty um, awesome. And then check in and say, like, am I doing the thing I said I wanted to do? And if I still want to do that, how do I get back on track? Mm-hmm. And that's what Own Your Story, uh, the workshop really does. It puts you in a position to reflect, to course correct if you need to, remind yourself of what you've accomplished, and to hear stories from the people around you. So you can be allies and advocates of each other. You can be customers and clients of each other. And you have to say those things out loud in order to find your people. So if I'm just talking the whole time, kind of like I'm doing right now, then that stuff isn't, <laughs> is impossible. So I start by talking, but then I try to create a space where other people can create their stories, share their stories, and then find their people. I love that. And how do you think the workshop helps set people up for success in t- just telling their story? Like, how do, how do you get them to that place of comfortability to just be like, because some people are like, I don't want to talk about myself, but I don't got a story. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Those are the two things I hear that I don't want to talk about myself and I don't have a story. Uh, I start the workshop by telling mine. And I'm often asked, like, how do you get people to be vulnerable? I'm like, well, you have to demonstrate your vulnerability first. Walking into a space and saying, all right, everybody, tell me about all your sad stuff or all the happy stuff. No one's going to do that. But you have to demonstrate and create the space for people to understand that their stories are safe in that in that particular seminar, that Zoom now that we're doing it on Zoom. Um, but I demonstrate what I want from people. But it's always going to be about how much people are willing to give to the experience. If you're not willing to let yourself go there to um, work through some issues, to talk through, to talk through if you want to. It's not necessary that everyone has to say something in a workshop, but I always have people bring a notebook and a pen because as you start thinking about your journey, about the individual motivations for why you do what you do, lots of images and stories and memories come to mind. And so I tell people to scribble that out because there's a reason why that stuff popped out. Um, But I, I put it on myself to create the space for people to feel like they can do that. But they have to also then say yes. Once they've been invited, they have to jump in. Um, and I can only do so much. But typically, it works out. It's worked out well. Lots of people seem to enjoy it. I and think you're like, doing quite well with this strategy. <laughs> Something tells me. That's <laughs> working out. On a kind of like practical note, what makes a great workshop for you? Like what elements does a great, whether it's Zoom or in person, what makes a good workshop? I think when workshops are actual workshops, I'm not really good at lectures. Um, You know, if I wanted to watch someone tell their life's journey or give a PowerPoint, I will, I don't know, go to Netflix or watch a TED talk or something. But when it's a legit workshop, I want to be able to walk away with tools, tips, best practices, um, things I I can legitimately implement. Yeah, same have somebody bring like various levels, right? Like, so it's not like you're all in the C-suite or you're all beginning your career, but 
but create an opportunity where lots of different types of people, lots of different industries and levels of experience can be in something together, mm -hmm. learn together. Because you can learn something. If you're on the C-suite level, you can learn something from someone who's just entering the workforce. And of course, just starting out needs to hear from somebody mid-level and higher up. So yeah. creating an environment where lots of people can learn from the host and the other attendees. I mean, I feel like I'm doing a lot of hand motion. Um, Are you snaking? <laughs> I'm taking it. Take it back. <laughs> I haven't been drinking, I promise. <laughs> Me either. Four o'clock is coming, though. It is. Is the time yet? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those are the things that I like personally, is the interactivity yeah. and yeah. applicable tips and things that I can use for um, my business. I also appreciate a good cheese plate. I'm not going to lie. Oh, in real, real life stuff? In real life, I appreciate a good cheese plate, maybe some wine. Not, yeah. I don't like to walk into, I'd give anything to walk into a workshop right now. But back <laughs> in the day, I hated going into workshops and all they had was bottled water. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I have to tell you, on your story, like the, the first six months or so when I was really trying to push this out there. Like I was encouraged to do this more broadly by a group of women who attended a workshop at a conference I did in October, 2017. They were like, you can do this more. And I was like, oh, okay. But then it was like, I made the decision. Now, how am I going to do this? And it, it involved going to Trader Joe's, making sure I had a nice blend of hard and soft cheeses and wine, especially if you're doing something that was like after work. And my things were yeah. like seven or seven to nine, like people are tired you have to have some caffeine there, have some chocolate, cheese, and alcohol, yep. and that will get them to relax and to congregate, talk to each other. Sure. Uh, but yeah, the cheese is a big deal. But cheese I like hard and soft, hard and soft, because you never know. I agree. A variety is appreciated, and right. I appreciated when I went to the in-person workshop. I've also done your online workshop, oh, and yeah. they both have great takeaway. They both have, I mean, they're they both resonate, right? Everything I learned in that is like, First, I know when I went, I was like, wow, I don't have a story to tell. And then I was writing. You had us all these prompts. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> I have so much to say. <laughs> I do love when people walk in, they don't, I don't have a story. And they walk out, and like, I've written, like, 10 pages. I'm like, yeah, I told you, you had something to say. I know, I know. I love it. I love it. Um, I wanted to ask, when you've had your workshop with, like, Google, LinkedIn, is it specifically for like their women's groups or are men there? I'm curious if like, do you, do you skew more audiences of women, women of color, more segmented groups, or are you like in front of everybody? Everybody. Everybody. So it started with women's groups. So when I started, like I said, I was inspired and encouraged to do this by a group of women at an all women's conference a couple of years ago, three years ago now. And so that meant to me putting up an Eventbrite link and saying like women's workshop. So I was doing that at co-working spaces all across the country. I would just like, once I did it at one WeWork, they liked it. Their members liked it. We work in, they would call WeWork in New York and say, can Olivia come? And people ask me all the time, like, how did you do that? I'm like, I was investing in it. Like I had to buy yeah. the cheese, buy the wine. But once you create kind of a network, um, like back in the day now, right and industrious and all these co-working spaces, they helped to build my resume. Um, so, but initially those were all female focused. And then when I went into corporations, it was um, African-American ERGs, employee resource groups and women ERGs. Um, and then it became more. Then it was lawyers, accountants, it was C-suite. Wow. 
But um, the very first time I shared it on a corporate level with a mixed group of men and women, I told a story about getting my period when I was 13. And that's pretty much the beginning of the workshop is me telling this story. I remember there were, I think that group was 150 people in that room. Um, And it was 50, 50 men and women. And like four or five guys like got up and walked out. And I was like, Oh, I kept going. But in my mind, I was like, I should not have told this period story. And then later on, I thought I'm not going to change my story because four guys walked out, even a 50 guys. Well, maybe 50 guys. That might've been, (laughs) but, um, and this is what I tell people all the time. Like, well, I want to make sure that people get me. I want to tell a story that people connect me. I'm like, you have to tell your actual story. If people get up and walk away, then they're not your people. Yeah. So I had to take my own advice and just be okay with some people not getting it. And if you walk away with just me saying I got my period at 13, you are missing a lot of the work. (laughs) But um, after I got over that little quick in my mind, that little period of doubt, period, um, I went ahead and continued to make myself available to do the workshop with mixed audiences all over the place. And so uh, still skews more towards women. I think women are, are more likely to seek out this type of a workshop, but I've had men get emotional and women yeah. like to say, can I tell my story just as aggressively <laughs> as I've seen some women. That's incredible. I think that's, and I think everyone can benefit from not only telling their story, but owning it. I think that's, what's an important factor that yeah. sets your workshop as a brand strategist it's what sets you apart is it's owning it, right? Not just telling it visually in a beautiful Instagram post or on an about page or on your, you know, your podcast, you know, description or on your book jacket of your book. You want to own it. And I love that you use the word own. Now, as you've been doing these workshops, I know you recently just got a partnership with Vistaprint. Tell me about this. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, you talked about our origin story at Girl Boss Rally in New York in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved to LA in what? May of 2019? Yes. Yes. And yes, because I, you came to Cocktails and Conversation. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that Girl Boss relationship started in the summer of 2018. And I'm just going to tell this story. It's probably too long, but I'll try to be. No, tell it. Just because I encourage people to build off of something. (laughs) Like they, for however they found me, and I've talked to their staff at the time, the girl boss we now know has changed a bit. They've But initially, I was sent an email, like, we want to do a profile of you on the website. And I was like, how how do you know who I am? This is 2018. I had like four followers on Instagram. and then the woman I talked to was like, I don't know, my my editor told me to contact you. I'm like, all right. Okay. So they did a nice little profile on me. And after I was on the site, I said, well, you promoted my story. Can I do my workshop at a girl boss rally? And over the next six to eight weeks, I was sending an email to their um, COO, giving reasons why and telling more about the workshop. Um, and she kept saying, well, she was super nice. And she responded to all of them. We're still planning it out. I'll let you know. Um, and eventually she said yes. And then, so we met at that first one. I continue to stay in touch with them. And I did another rally um, in June in, at UCLA the next year. Mm-hmm. And I was all ready to go to do it one more time in April of 2020. And this time, Vistaprint was going to sponsor my talk. So Vistaprint and Girlboss had the relationship. Girlboss said, hey, Olivia's going to do this workshop. She'd be great for your brand. 
So they made that introduction. Of course, the world shut down um, and that rally didn't happen. But I did not let that relationship go to waste. I emailed Mr. Prince and it was like, let's figure out how we can work together. Um, I had a great conversation with their leadership there. And it resulted in them saying, tell us the ways in which you want to work with us. And I was like, all right. (laughs) And I wrote out a bunch of things. Here are all the things that I do beyond the workshop, which is how they knew me. Um, And they said, yes, and. They said yes to things I asked for and added other things that I never thought to ask them about. It has been a dream relationship with them. Um, but I, again, I told that long story just to say, you know, they put, Girlboss put me on the website, but I asked to get on the stage and then they created that opportunity for Vistaprint. And then I asked them for what I wanted. Um, so waiting for things to happen to you, you can do that. It will be long and hard, or you can ask for what you want. So Olivia, you just want to play. You just want to play. You're always, it always comes back to sports. I want to be in the game. I'm not going to sit on the sidelines. I want to be in the game. And you're just going to put, I want to play. You're going to put me in. Vista Prince, girl boss. I'm ready to play. Um, I freaking love that. Now for Vista Prince, do you have a podcast with them, right? No, no, no. So Mr. Prince has lots of different things that they were doing. They had okay. an ongoing small business podcast. It's hosted by one individual and they allowed me to do, to guest host three episodes. Oh, I see. I see. Fabulous. That's where I interviewed Kathy Shu, who's a bra member. Um, and then another individual that I work with from Bossy okay. Cosmetics. Um, so that's what I was saying. Mr. Prince has just really allowed me to do lots of different things. Like they know that I know how to host and they know how I know how to do production so they're like, hey, be on this podcast. I can, yeah. Yeah, it's- That's a great- It's a lot of things. Yeah, it also just reminds everyone that you never know where your next partner is going to be. You never know. Um, and to, you know, when you do meet that person to have a great opening, to have own your story when you meet them, have your great elevator pitch, which you learn how to do in Olivia's workshop. It's so great. Um, when and where is, or I'm sure it's online. Or now are you still doing- workshops for its smaller groups, like, you know, co-working spaces, I guess don't work anymore, but you know, like I know you did one for the bra network for other smaller. Yeah. You're still, yeah. that's good. You're not so big time yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love to still throw up an event right up there and um, have people find me um, and, or I find them somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great way for people who ne- don't necessarily work together to meet other people who have yeah. businesses or who are interviewing, who are trying to find out how to ask their boss for a raise or for another position within their company. So it's not just for entrepreneurs, but um, I'm trying to create more of a, um, an ongoing cadence of workshops where I'm, I continue to connect with how I got to where I am, which mm-hmm. is um, throwing it up on Eventbrite. So I'm moving forward and beginning this month, every Friday, I'm sorry, two Fridays of every month, I will have a workshop. So people can go to my website now, oliviachristian.co, go to the workshops page and um, sign up for a workshop. And they're small. I try to make them a little intimate. Um, yeah. No more than five or six people. Right. Because you can get kind of vulnerable. Um, yeah. I, 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 liking, I like being in that sticky place of vulnerability and just being like, all right, let's, let's talk about it. Fine. <laughs> but it would, it, I would feel more comfortable if it was only like 
five, six people on a Zoom, especially if I don't know any of them. Uh, we'll definitely put your website in the show notes, everyone. So you must do her workshop. Now, let me ask you this. I know you love sports. Are, is there any, like, are you thinking about maybe starting a clubhouse? Have you, are you on clubhouse first? I have to, no, I'm not. But it's so funny that you asked me that because I was on LinkedIn earlier today. And another bra member that I met, Sahar, was like, see you in clubhouse. <laughs> what is because- happening? I think Clubhouse, because it's radio, it's basically like listening to radio stations. Yeah. Um, You could literally put up a chat about any sporting thing you want um, and people would flock to you. Um, Just putting it out there. There's a whole, whole, whole network of you could have a channel that talks about owning your story, branding strategy. But I'm telling you, there's a whole nother channel all about sports. You're going to have to connect, like, I'm going to have to do this offline with you. I, I sometimes need to get talked into branching out. I'm going to talk you into it and you I need to write a book. <laughs> on Instagram and now I have to do more. I know. It's like one more thing, right? So I have, I don't do the, um, the TikTok. It's not my jam. Yeah. Me so either. I figure it's like, well, I don't do TikTok. I have a little bit of room for Clubhouse. I'm still learning it. Who knows? By the time this airs, we're going to be like on Clubhouse a million times. <laughs> um, but let me ask you this hypothetical question. ESPN calls and they say, Olivia, yes. we want you to be. Yes. yes. <laughs> let me finish. Sorry. <laughs> they say, Olivia, we want you to be the sideline reporter for the Super Bowl. At that same day, and they're going to pay you $4 million. That same day, <laughs> Oprah calls and is like, I want you to do an own your own workshop with Gail, myself, and 10 of our close friends at my ranch in Montecito, $4 million. Who do you choose? Wait, Oprah is $1 million in the Super Bowl? No, they're both paying you $4 million. Yep. Who do you choose, Oprah or Super Bowl? <laughs> Are you going to surprise me and Oprah's going to pop up on the Zoom? Like, no, nor is the somebody who owns a football team going to walk in either. Nor is ESPN. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know. Two things you're really good at and two God. things you love. As I, as I think about this, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, I moved recently to downtown Los Angeles, and I was walking around learning my neighborhood with my mask on because it's crazy COVID down here. Um, and I realized that I'm about a 10-minute walk from ESPN. And I'm like, I think that's serendipitous that I moved so close. I agree. Um, so that first makes me think, like, I should probably take that job. But I don't really want to be a sideline reporter. I, I pick something. I don't even know what. Yeah, I mean, like, that's, that's a good thing, though. I mean, the exposure, the Super Bowl, are like, huge. Um, but my overall hope is to do exactly what I'm doing with my own sports show. I have a sports show on YouTube called The Game Last Night. But I want to get paid for it. Um, sure. That's the dream. <laughs> Um, I guess I would, ah, I don't know, I know, but if you did Oprah, that might lead just like girl boss led to Vistaprint. I know. Oprah might lead to, here is Bill Belichick. Can you believe I just pulled that out? I studied. I cannot believe. (laughs) Did I say his name right? Yes. For those of you who don't know who he is, he is the coach of the New England Patriots, the team that I hate the most. And that same. <laughs> also, he's he's. I just listened to the Aaron Hernandez uh, podcast documentary. Holy hell, was that 
awful. Um, and they kept saying, Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick. And I was like, oh, but whatever. Um, um, well, <sighs> so tricky. I was about to say Oprah, I think. Well, I, I don't have like Oprah dreams. Like if Oprah picks me, that's not a thing. I mean, I wouldn't be mad at it, but it's <laughs> like on my vision board or anything. Um, I, I would love to do that. I, I feel like, I think I do ESPN. I think I do ESPN. I agree. I think you do ESPN. Oprah can wait. <laughs> <laughs> I also think you could probably reschedule Oprah because the Super Bowl is always going to be on that Sunday at that time. Oprah can wait. Oprah, you want to watch the Super Bowl? I mean, come on. Love it. Um, now, really quick, where can we find you? All the places we got your website. What's your handle on the IG? It's the same as my website, oliviachristian.co. I love Breaking it. Consistency. Oh, gosh. Are you a brand strategist? I don't know. Am I? Yes. Ah, that's amazing. Really quick, my last question, as always, I always like to wrap up with um, things you get carried away about and things that people get carried away about that are totally annoying. First, during quarantine, during COVID, what have you done that you've gotten carried away about? Are you binging Netflix? Are you a podcast, reading anything? What What's exciting you during this time? I have been carried away with drinking champagne. Now, Cheers. I used to only drink champagne when it was like, hey, a happy thing is going on. Use the bubbles to celebrate. I drink champagne a lot. I got out of bed. Cheers. <laughs> I'm getting carried away. It's, it's a bit <laughs> much. Um, so that's one thing I've been doing a lot. And I do that while watching Netflix, reading a book, having a podcast, waking up in the morning, whatever. I'm <laughs> brushing my teeth. <laughs> I'm like, I'll have a mimosa now. You, you know, there's always a time of day to have the champagne. Um, and your other question is, what are people? Getting- oh, I was going to say, uh, first off, that's very French of you to just have champagne with everything. <laughs> I love that. I love champagne too. I heard, so I went champagne t- tasting in Napa. Have you been to Chandon in Napa? I have not. Okay, so their tasting is a flight. It's like six glasses, and it comes with a placemat, and each glass goes on the placemat, and it tells you the region and whatever, all the things, right? But it's a full glass. So technically, it's five glasses of champagne. By the fifth one, you're like, I love Chandon. I'll buy a case. But he told me that when, when you're choosing champagne, he says, bigger bubbles, bigger troubles small bubbles, no troubles. So if you have big gas bubbles in your champagne, that means they put a lot of uh, CO2 in it. When really French champagne has the tiniest little bubbles because it's smart. So big bubbles means you're going to have a big hangover. (laughs) I have to say alcohol is probably the thing I spend the least amount of like money and care into. Like I will drink a $5 Andre champagne. Like it's nobody's or Pabst Blue Ribbon like three dollars or something and then my shoes are like nine hundred dollars <laughs> like i don't invest in like, <laughs> wine it's make- fruity from a french region is it cold i'm in exactly <laughs> well, I feel the way i want to feel from it okay perfect um okay so yeah my last question is three things that people are obsessed about that get carried away about but you can't get it you can't wrap your head around it. For example, I cannot stand matcha. It tastes like lawn clippings. I don't know how people can drink that stuff. I don't get it. What are yours? Um, 
I'm trying to be like nice. What do I you do don't have to be nice. Well, I'm trying to think of a good word of saying it. I, I have a hard time. There are a lot of women who are on social media, who are in Facebook groups that complain about the patriarchy. And I'm kind of over this, right? Like we women make up the majority. White women have a ton of power all mm-hmm. over the world. There was a special, Michael Che does um, Weekend Update on Saturday yes, Night Live. he's hilarious. Yeah, the special on Saturday Night Live, that came, I'm sorry, on Netflix that came out a couple of years ago. And he, he tells this funny story about how he's like, a white woman could go to Afghanistan right now and end the war. She could just say, um, I want there to be a, a soul cycle here. And the soul cycle will go there and the war would be over. And be, like, that's the kind of power they they have. Of course, this is comedy. I don't know exactly that's that's right, but I feel like there are not white women. I, I want them to recognize the power, recognize their perpetuation of the patriarchy. Um, not, of course, I don't want to say not all of you. Like, of course, not all of you, right? Um, but I, I can't take it. I, I can't take the continuum whining about it, especially after we've just gone through another election and even more white women yeah. voted for um, Trump. Tyrant, yes, yes. So I, I'm over that. I don't want to see it. I, I, I'm afraid of what I might respond and say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just like, dilly, 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 walk away, more champagne. Yeah, um, but yeah, this the whining about our power, lack of power. What do we do? Just stop it. Yeah, it. use it. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, I don't like the Big Bang Theory, it's constantly on. Mm-hmm. I've never seen an episode. Me either. I'm sick of seeing it on places. Yeah. I've never seen one episode. It doesn't interest me at all. I want it on my tombstone. She refused to watch one episode of that show. She should be led into heaven. Um, I don't know why I'm so mean to that. I'm sure it's a nice show. People enjoy it. But I just wanted that balance. Big Bang and the patriarchy. I get it. I get it. Um, I don't like either of those. I don't like women like that. And I don't like uh, Big Bang Theory either. Like, <laughs> they're all annoying. Um, it's definitely, there's a power in unfollowing, right? When you are like, why am I looking at this? You just unfollow and decleanse and get, just get out of my line of sight. Yeah, it's, it's hard. I mean, it definitely unfollow, but it's kind of everywhere. You know, yeah. even if I'm not following that person, my follower might, like if I'm on Twitter and they like something, and then like, ah, yeah. I'm like, Karen, we can't keep saying Karen. Karen is it misogynist. Like, don't start. Karen is not meant for that yeah. term. And then you have to get, you know, go down the rabbit hole. So I'm trying to manage my emotions and my, um, by not allowing myself, not opening myself up to being mad at that stuff anymore. I'm trying to make sure that I turn off things, pace myself, take a bath. I don't know, whatever that might be, but <laughs> If you like, you asked what I hate right now, uh, and that's, that's what I wanted to hear. Yeah, it's killing me right now. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I don't like them bitches either. Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. I don't like it. I don't like it. It's also extremely frustrating as a white woman raising a white daughter, and all I could see is I have a white son, and I'm like, you have so much fucking privilege. You better change the world. <laughs> like. I don't well, want to see you sit on the couch. <laughs> You're going to college. <laughs> sit on the couch. Yeah. Go make some change. <laughs> the thing is, you know, racism is learned, right? 
Yeah. Misogyny is learned. So if you are a white woman and you are raising a white male child or a white girl child, you're teaching them how to treat you and mm -hmm. how to treat other women how to treat people of color, how to treat people with physical disabilities, like all of the things that they're learning from you. So be the change you want to see in the world. Absolutely. It's all, and my, my, they absorb it like sponges, like you wouldn't believe. Um, I don't celebrate Valentine's Day, right? So I, my husband and I've never really been big on it. Um, but one year, my daughter asked me, why doesn't daddy get you flowers or a card on Valentine's Day? And then I could see her like, I have this box that I got from school and I have Valentine's from 30 of my classroom friends. Why don't you have anything? And then I, I mean, I could go into the commercialism of it, but I just told her, daddy loves me. I don't need a card or flowers to show me that. And then I had a moment. I was like, Oh wait, should I be teaching her that she's supposed to get flowers and, and cards on Valentine's day? And I was like, fuck it. <laughs> no, Those <questions>. you're eight. <laughs> you're eight. You're fine. Enjoy your little sweet tarts. <laughs> Oh, see those kind of quotes. Like this, that's the reason I don't have children. I don't think, I mean, thank you Planned Parenthood for keeping me. Child. Love you Planned Parenthood. But for those of you who have to have those conversations, I mean, those are hard ones because you want a guy, you want to have a, your husband is the first man your daughter has in their lives and how he treats you. She's going to look for a guy that treats her the same way. But I, I understand like the Valentine's Day one seems like, eh, yeah, guy's only giving you a card on Valentine's Day. You're in trouble. Right, exactly. Don't wait for that day to come around. Yeah, and I can't say to her, "Have you? Do you see this beautiful house we live in?" I mean, that's that's all. I don't want like flowers die, but you know, she's eight. <laughs> we had to change subjects, and it's fine. Let's let's go watch the Disney Channel. But <laughs> um, well, thank you so much, Olivia. I could talk to you forever. This is so fun. It was so great catching up with you too. Thanks so much for having me, and for being an amazing friend and a pr another promoter with your platform the bra network of other women. I am glad that we sat next to each other that day at the rally. I don't remember it, but I'm glad we did. And then I'm glad we followed up with each other and me that too. you talked me into this network. Hell and yeah, I did. I wasn't into like story feeling and you were like, no, that's not what it is. That's not what it is. It took me. You're, in. you're coming. <laughs> came, dragged you kicking and screaming. And now I have so many friends. And, we, and Sahar is amazing. Isn't Sahar great? Yes. She's and we're like customers and clients of each other and support. Like it's the yeah. Kathy is, is huge. Yeah. Renee. Just, yeah. Oh, I love Renee. I had her on the podcast too. Renee is amazing. We're in the middle of it. I was, she was talking about all these sports and I was like, do you know Olivia? <laughs> she was like, yeah. <laughs> we met before. Yeah. She yeah. told me. Yeah. That's such a small world, right? Who knew? Um, but there you go. You could talk to Renee on Clubhouse about... I don't know. Sports still happening. These people are crazy. Yes. Right now. Yes. <laughs> happening. Thank God. <laughs> something to keep us sane. Something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. um, well, anyways, they, I'm babbling now. Thank you so much. So good to see you. Right, we're going to say goodbye to Facebook. I'm going to say goodbye to them. Hi, Facebook. I hope you learned something new. Now, if you are a female founder, thought leader, disruptor, and you're like, I can't be on that show, then you need to email me with some topics. Email me directly, carrie at bra-network.com or send me a DM on the IG at bra underscore network. I'm always looking for fabulous, fierce females to feature. And hey, if you're a guy, I'll feature you too, because we all have knowledge to share. Until then, thank you for getting carried away. Go ahead and like and subscribe to all the things and all the places. Until next time, 
Have a great day. Stay safe. Wear a mask.